Perfectionism is thought of as being an excuse, but let's talk about what it really is, how it happens, and then how you can start to crack it. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I talk about the many lessons, learnings, and tools that I've learned along my journey from being the private mindset and mental performance coach to rich listers, successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, and more, all while running business and personal performance events for tens of thousands of people who want to get the best out of themselves and their lives. This is my way of helping more people to excel in life, build successful empires, and be the best that they can be. I hope you share and enjoy. Driven mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. All right, let's get into it today. Now, the reason why I want to talk about perfectionism is that I noticed myself the other day starting to mess around a little bit. I was messing around, I was not really sure about what to do, and then I was thinking, you know, I just want to get this right. And then I sat there for another day trying to get this thing right. And then I caught myself and realized that I was just caught in perfectionism. Now, I work in human behavior. I'm probably one of the best in the country, if not one of the best in the world in this area, hence why I work with the people that I work with and why we get a lot of different types of people coming to my events and seminars and why some of the best in the world have come to my events and seminars. So I know how to tune my mind. I know how to think differently. I know how to change those thoughts and all of that. But I found it really interesting that these thoughts still keep popping up in my head, even though I've dealt with these many times before. So I wanted to share in this episode what it is. What is perfectionism? We all hear about it and people say, well, you know, I want everything to be perfect. Or I watch people on TV. In fact, I was just flicking through the other day and there was something on Geordie Shaw. Now, please don't hold this against me if you haven't watched it. It's not worth watching it. <laughs> but every now and again, I go back to the younger me watching those Geordie Shore episodes. So I started watching one of the latest seasons. And in there, one of them was getting married. And they said, you know, I just want the perfect day. I just want everything to be perfect. Now, these are patterns that are caught up in our society. But what is perfectionism and why do we have it? How do we get it? And then how do we break through it? When we're talking about perfectionism, what it really is, is it's something called an implanted value. Now, we have our own individual set of values. For me, my highest value is teaching, learning, and coaching, followed by high-value connections. I love being around people that want to lead themselves, want to better themselves, want to grow. I find it really boring being around people and just talking about footy and the weather. But that's just because of my value structure. I don't find it interesting. I would rather work, to be honest, or I'd rather train with people, or I would rather go and hang out with people and talk about business or talk about growth or something. So anyway, they're my two highest values. Now, when we're a child and we grow up, we have parents. Those parents or parental figures have to look after us. They have to feed us and we rely upon them. So our most primal primitive needs have to be met. Now, there's something in Maslow's hierarchy, and we have these hierarchy of needs, I guess you could say, or this is part of his theory. Now, the lower needs are essentially survival needs. We need to be fed. We need shelter. We need to feel safe. And then eventually, you know, sex and procreation and so on. And we move up this hierarchy. But down at the lower levels, when we're a child, we need to rely upon other people to help us to survive. What happens, though, is that when we're younger, and this is according to Sigmund Freud's work, he talks about something called the id. The id is our emotional self. It's our emotional mind. It's the part of ourself that has impulses and fears. Now, children are impulsive and fearful. They're driven by their impulses and their fears. They're not driven by their logic like someone who is potentially a bit older. You know, I noticed that just before I turned 40, my thinking started shifting again. And what I noticed is it's a lot easier to think logically for me. 
Now, that's because scientifically, the part of the brain that controls and governs our emotional states is something called the prefrontal cortex or the executive center in the brain. Now, in that part of the brain, it regulates our emotional states. So this is the part of the brain that when we're driving along and someone cuts us off and we think, you an asshole, and we get all upset and angry, and then your brain goes, look, just calm down. It's not that big a deal. We're cool. Let's drive to work. That's the prefrontal cortex or the executive center kicking in. We've had an emotional response. That emotional response is important for survival. But then our prefrontal cortex kicks in and says, hey, dude, just calm down. It's not that big a deal. And you sort of talk yourself around just to stay calm again. That starts to become more active. That part of the brain becomes more active in men in their late 20s. And in women, it's early 20s. So prior to that, most people are driven by their impulses or their fears. Now, fears normally are known as instincts. So now you're a child, you're impulsive. You want to eat all the chocolate, you want to play games. You know, if anyone's got a child here and they want to go outside and then you pick them up, and you go, no, you can't go outside and you grab them, you pick them up off of the ground and you go to take them into the lounge room or the dining room or wherever. The next second, they just throw an absolute wobble. You know, their arms and legs are kicking everywhere. They're freaking out. Okay, they're screaming, they're yelling. That's because they're highly impulsive. They just do what they feel like doing. They do what their emotions tell them to do. So as they start to grow older, that prefrontal cortex kicks in and we can govern that part of ourselves. Now, some people, especially if they use a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol, they'll still be highly impulsive as well. They'll be highly reactive. It all depends. So it's not. it doesn't mean that in your late 20s, if you're a male, that that part of the brain is going to work effectively. It depends how much damage you've done to your brain throughout your life. I know I find it quite hard sometimes to try and govern my emotions a lot. Now, that could be for multiple different reasons. And it's also the reason why I love working in this industry, because personal development, self-growth helps me to govern my emotions and to think through things more effectively and be more intelligent. If I didn't have personal development, I guarantee I'd be in jail or I'd be dead. So part of the reason why I need to govern this is because when I was young, I used to drink a lot. So that probably affected my ability for my prefrontal cortex to work as effective as some other people who didn't. Also, I've had multiple head traumas. I remember being knocked unconscious with a glass Coke bottle when I was a kid playing on the playground. I got glassed and bottled. I did boxing when I was younger as well and martial arts where you know you get punched and stuff a bit. So I think that probably had some sort of effect on my brain. Now, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. I don't really know, but I've found it quite difficult myself to try to manage my emotional states. I do it quite well compared to most people, but I still find that, you know, some mornings I just wake up, I just feel like shit. I think about all the worst things that could go on. And then I have to go downstairs and tune my brain again. Just like an old car, you got to warm up sometimes. I got to warm up my brain a little bit and just put myself in the right state. Now, I don't know if everybody goes through this. I don't know. I've got some clients over the years and they reckon that they don't, but most people do. So coming back to Sigmund Freud's work, Freud spoke about the id, which is our impulses and our fears. And that's the part of the brain that kicks in when we start worrying about things, when we become fear-driven. Then what happens is that a parental figure comes in when you're a child, and then they implant their values. So the child wants to go outside and play, and that's its impulse. Then the parent says, you can't go outside, it's raining, you'll get a cold. So what the parent's doing is the parent is implanting some of their values. Maybe their high value of health. Maybe it's their high value of cleanliness around the house and they don't want the house to get dirty. But the parent is saying, you can't do this because what I want you to do. And so that implants the parent's value onto the child. And it starts to regulate those impulses and those fears. Then eventually what will happen is over time, parents, teachers, 
preachers, the other kids around us tell us what we should and shouldn't do. You know, as you start to grow up, you get told, oh, I wouldn't buy those shoes because they look like shit and cool kids don't wear them. And the next second you go on, oh, people can judge you for shoes and then your jeans look shit. Oh no, people can judge you for clothes. And so after a while, your brain becomes clouded or claggy with these thoughts, these judgments, these fears, these worries about not being able to fit in. Now, when we go back to Maslow's hierarchy, the first thing is that we need food and we need shelter. Why? Because they're survival responses. Now, if we look at evolution, the first thing is, is that if we go back to part of the evolutionary theory, if we were bacteria, then from bacteria, we form multicellular bacteria where there's lots of bacteria. Then from there, we became sort of like amphibian or fish-like. Then we grew arms and legs like a sort of an axolotl. Then we became land-dwelling animals. And as we go through the evolutionary cycle, we were mammals. Now, mammals tend to surround themselves with other mammals. So if you look at monkeys, you look at gorillas, you look at a lot of other animals, they tend not to hunt alone. Why? Because it's safety in numbers. So as humans, there's still part of our brain based on the theory of evolution. That is that monkey brain. That monkey brain, you probably heard of that before, where we need to fit in. We have a desire to fit in because it's safety and survival. It's a safety and survival response. It increases our likelihood of survival. The problem with that, though, is that as you start to grow up and everyone implants their values, you now become an adult. And as an adult, you think, you know what? I want to go out tonight. Oh, no, I better not go out. Oh, I don't have the right clothes. I haven't got my makeup done. I haven't got my hair done. You know, I don't have the right shoes. I'm feeling a bit fat. Oh, crap, I'm running out of money and I don't want to borrow it off of somebody because, you know, they're probably going to judge me for being poor. And so you start to have all these thoughts about everything. Those thoughts, most of the time, aren't your thoughts. They're judgments that have happened in the past to try to govern your impulses when you're a child. But over time, they stack up as what's known as implanted values, which is other people's views, opinions, ideas, ideals. And so now you want to do something, but your brain has all these other voices and noises in your brain where you're not sure about how to make a decision, you're unclear, you lack focus, and you worry about what everybody else is going to think. Hey, Driven Mofos, if you ever want to have the video version of this podcast, which usually has more effects, visuals, graphs, and helps you to retain more of the information that I share, then check out my YouTube channel. I also share bonus in-depth training behind the scenes from some of our live events, plus interviews from some of the country's most successful people. So if you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, then check it out via the link in the description of the podcast. Remember to subscribe to get the latest stuff. Now, this is part of the stage where perfectionism kicks in. There's actually no such thing as perfectionism. When we look at it from a scientific standpoint, nothing is perfect. Now, maybe everything is perfect, but maybe also nothing is perfect. We go walking through the forest and we're just chilling along and we're just walking through and we have a look and you go, wow, it's beautiful in here. Everything is like shit, right? You've got trees that are bent. There's patches on a beautiful tree where leaves haven't grown. Now, you don't walk around and go, well, that tree's fucked. Look at it. It's not dead straight. It's not 100% perfect. There's patches where there aren't leaves. Some of the leaves are brown. That tree just is horrible. And then you look at the water and you go, oh, that water is horrible. It's not perfectly flat and like glass and it's not the right temperature. Water is disgusting. If you live like that, <laughs> if you do live like that, your life is probably shit. But what my point is, right, is that when we look into nature, what we perceive as being beautiful is imperfect. So all humans know 
that there is no such thing as perfectionism because the things that we tend to find most attractive aren't perfect. You will look for things to make it imperfect should you choose to. Like if you see a beautiful car roll down the road and you see it and you go, wow, that looks amazing. But when you get up close, if you start looking at it and you start picking holes in it, you're like, oh, look at that. There's a stone chip there and there's a bit of a mark there. And you can find any car, even the most amazing cars, and they still have those things, right? So we can find imperfections in anything should we choose to. But why do people do that? It's implanted values. They are other people's values that have been pushed onto them that make them feel insecure and feel like they're not good enough. So then they start projecting that onto the world and onto everything else around them. So people who tend to complain a lot, who tend to bitch a lot, who tend to moan a lot, they live with a lot of implanted values. This used to be me growing up. And that side of me still comes out sometimes where I get insecure, I see other people achieving things. And then I start feeling like shit. I start feeling bad about my life. And then so because I feel bad about my life and I start picking on all the things that I do wrong, I start then picking on all the things that everyone else does wrong in the world. Our life is a direct reflection of our projections. So we don't see the world. We see the world that is filtered through our own thoughts and our ideas and our own minds. We've got to remember that. The world you see isn't the world. It's your world. If you don't have enough money, that's because of your mind and how you think. If you don't have high-level friends, it's probably because of the world that you see how you've used your brain and how you haven't used your brain effectively. We can tune our brain to see the things that we want. It just takes time. So coming back to perfectionism, the idea of perfectionism is implanted values. If I can do something so well that no one can judge it, no one can criticize it, no one can pick apart it, therefore I am loved. I feel like I'm good enough. I feel like I've achieved something. Then there's a little part of your brain that knows that that's not true. And that you can't give the world something that is completely perfect. So then what happens is the perfectionists tend to stall. They tend to hold on to things. Like if you have a look at an artist that is a perfectionist, they will do all their art, but they won't gift it to the world because there is always imperfections in it. The engineer wants to make sure that everything is so perfect and they get super frustrated. When the boss comes to an engineer and says, right, we've got to get this job done. The perfectionist engineer sits there and goes, yeah, but... I've got to do all these little micro things that don't really matter because if I do all that, then it's going to be perfect. But they just keep holding off. They waste time. So perfectionists are amazing time wasters. And that's because they value the judgment of others or the praise of others over time. And so they will waste time to try to get the praise of others. The thing is, you're not in control of the praise of others. I don't know whether this podcast is going to be good or not good. And I have it sometimes pop up in my mind where I go, you know, I just don't want to do the podcast because I don't think that they're good enough. I honestly think like that a lot. But I know that I have to gift it to the world and I just have to share it because I know that there might be one podcast episode that can help one person. And if that's really what I believe in in my life is that I want to help people perform better and that's my mission and my purpose in life. Well, my mission in life is to build businesses that help people perform better. But my mission in life is to help people perform better. And so if I don't gift these to the world, then I'm not really living my mission and serving my purpose, which is why I just do it and just get it done and just get it out there. Even if they are crap, I just get them out there. Because I think even if I just say something that can help somebody, I've done my job, right? I've done something better. And I can always improve. And I think they have improved over time. But my point is, is that perfectionism is really just the avoidance of the judgment and criticism of others. That's all that it is. And it's based on implanted values, normally because you don't know who you are. You don't know what you're trying to achieve. You don't have a success map in life. You don't have the right strategies to achieve the things that you want, and you don't have the right mindset. 
If you do those things, if you build your success map in life, if you tune your mind to think correctly, especially with what I teach on my Thrive Time event, if you do those two things, you'll have far greater result and you'll waste less time because you know exactly why you're here, what you want to do, what fulfills you, and also you'll be working and building a mindset that you can consistently work on. Also, the other thing is that over time, you'll start chipping away those implanted values. I don't really seek the approval of my parents anymore. It doesn't really bother me. It used to when I was younger. Sometimes I worry about what my family think based on what I post on social media, but at the same time, I know that that's their implanted values, not mine. In fact, my cousin reached out to me the other day and, and said she loves what I post on social media. Now, sometimes I fear the criticism of my family. I used to a lot. These days, I don't really anymore, but it still pops up every now and again. It'll pop up in my mind. But they are all just implanted values. Now, remember that the implanted value is there to control the impulsiveness of the child. Now, sometimes when we're crazy impulsive, you will know this because if you're out drinking and you think, I got to be home by 10 o'clock and it's getting to 9.30 and then you start thinking, oh shit, if I don't get home, I'm going to get my ass kicked. And then your mate says to you, your friend says to you, do you want another drink? And you go, yeah, all right, one more. But then you feel guilty straight afterwards. That's because there's an implanted value there from your intimate partner trying to control your impulses. So we have those implanted values to control our impulsiveness and also our fear. Sometimes when we're fearful, we think about somebody else and we go, what would they do? The reason why we think like that is because it helps us to build our courage. So we use implanted values for courage and we look up to other people. And then we also use it to control our impulses. That's why it's there according to Sigmund Freud. You may have heard of Freud before. He's written a heap of books. He was the founder of psychoanalysis. I love his work. I love his and another person called Carl Jung. But they have some really great philosophies and theories on how the mind works. And I really enjoy it because if you look at modern day science in the fields of psychology and neuroscience, a lot of what they say really makes sense. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't really read their work and read them properly from a perspective of non-judgment or without trying to criticize their work. And I think when you do that, it gives you a great insight. So just remember, perfectionism isn't perfectionism. Nothing is perfect. And what you're trying to seek is approval and validation from others. That's really what it is. When you realize that anytime I do work and I start to try to be perfect, I ask myself, whose validation am I seeking? Because it's somebody's. When somebody says to me at one of my events, oh, it's everybody. You know, I worry about what everybody thinks. I say bullshit. There's 8 billion people on the planet. Do you give a shit what a five-year-old kid in Afghanistan who's walking around, who has nothing, thinks about what you're going to post on social media? And the person goes, well, no, not really. And I go, if you went into a school, I do this with public speaking. Someone will say to me, I've got a fear of speaking public. And I go, no, you don't. And they go, yeah, I do. And I say, no, you don't. And they say, yeah, I do. And I say, okay, cool. Let's say that the room's full of two-year-olds. Do you care about public speaking? Like if you stood up in front of them, could you talk? And they go, yeah, I do. And I go, excellent. What about five-year-olds? And they go, no, I don't care. And then I say, okay, what about 10-year-olds? And they go, no, I don't give a shit what 10-year-olds think. And then I go, cool. What about 18-year-olds? And they go, oh. and I say, okay, what's the fear? And normally it's a fear of judgment or a fear of making mistakes and being picked on. That's their teenage self that's afraid. When they were a teenager, they probably spoke in public and someone judged them. Then from there, anyone who's older than a teenager, maybe 14, 15, 16 years of age, they see them as being judgmental. So then they just avoid public speaking. You only avoid things because of the fear of criticism in most cases, because of the implanted values of others. Either that or there's a fear of death or a fear of something. So just remember, perfectionism is a bullshit idea. 
it really is just implanted values. You're afraid of what other people think. You're afraid of criticism. And then you have to ask, who is it that I'm afraid is going to criticize my work? Probably only five to 10 people max. Now, if you have the right tools, like I teach at Thrive Time, you can break through those limitations and watch what happens. You'll just plow out more work. You'll get more shit done because you're not afraid of those judgments, those criticisms, and those implanted values. The best thing is that you actually get to do what you want to do in life because you have clarity on your success map in life. Because if you're not clear on your values, it is really, really hard to live those values because you'll be living other people's values. I hope that makes sense, Driven Mofos. Anyway, have a great day. Keep kicking ass, keep pushing hard. And I look forward to you joining me back here once again for another episode of the Underestimate Entrepreneur. Keep your standards high, keep pushing hard, and I'll see you next time.